Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, everybody. Today is Monday, June 22nd. You won't believe it. Will Brenton's still not here. We don't know if he's coming back. Uh, we'll find out later in the week. The plan is he'll be back later in the week. Right, right now, it's just uh, the best three quarters of the Super Friends. Me, Ryan Wilson, Sean Rocker McGuff, John Breach, here to do a little mailbag. So, um, by the way, the All-32, every NFL team will continue so we'll get to that. And uh, as a mailbag, remember, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a question attached to it, and we'll answer it. You can also do it on our Facebook page. Uh, you can probably send them to, to at Will Brinson at Twitter, but uh, ideally, Apple Podcasts, five-star review. It makes Wilbur happy. Um, Sean, John, I'm guessing you guys are doing well. We don't like when Brinson says, how are you doing? Breach, what's one fun thing you did last week? You know what? I was on paternity leave, and Devo keeps calling it a vacation. And let me just tell you, the paternity leave is way <laughs> different than a vacation because it involves a baby. Uh, but to answer your question, I was, I was about to go on and on and on. Uh, one fun thing, I went, I threw the baby in the pool. She went swimming for the first time. I didn't actually throw her in. She I, was a little I, I was going places. I didn't. I was worried for you there. So did and, she uh, them, or did you just put her in the little float thing? No, she's two months old, Wilson. She did not legit swim. She, uh, it's like a little floaty boat and you put the baby on top of it. It has a little roof on it so she doesn't get too much sun and she just sits there. It's really living the life. Just imagine sitting in a pool. Like if you were older, you'd have like a pina colada in your hands, but obviously you can't give a baby a pina colada, I don't think. So we didn't. Uh, but yeah, so that, I would say that was the fun thing is putting the baby in the pool for the first time. Ryan, let me I, ask you. Yeah. Do you think the equivalent of being able to swim when you're two months is the same as being able to run a marathon after two weeks of training? Three weeks. <laughs> I that, think they're both impossible. They're no, well, well, first of all, there are babies that swim when they're born. Like there's some – that used to be a thing back in the day. Probably probably like around breaches when Breach was born, that was a thing. Like parents would put their babies in the water and they naturally knew how to swim. So I'm not making that part up. So I don't know if, Sean, if uh, John's uh, baby Annabelle was – well, I, I will say that I don't, there's a documentary right now on Netflix about babies. We don't need to talk babies the whole time, but it does say that, and it shows with the video that babies do have natural instincts to crawl and swim right when they're born, but you're putting them in shallow water that's like six inches high and they'll like flail like doggy paddle. If you throw them in a six foot deep pool, they're not going to swim, Ryan. They're just going to be an anchor weight <laughs> sink to the bottom. Sorry, doctor. <laughs> to answer your question, Sean, it is much more difficult to run a marathon after two weeks training. I think I would take my chances on a baby swimming. Sean, did you do anything fun last week? You know what? This is not going to compare to throwing a baby into a pool and seeing if she sinks or swims. But I did actually see all my friends for the first time in like three months. We went to a park, had a socially distanced hangout, each sitting on our own blankets six feet apart, and that was fun to – get hammered in public with my friends again. Where'd you, here's a question that an old person asks. Where'd you go pee? 
Oh, the park actually had an open working restroom, and it Man. was actually incredibly clean. It, it was it was wild. I was not expecting that. Nice. Win win. Did you wear a mask? Yes. Well, yes, and then when you're drinking. Oh, no. interesting. You wore a mask in outside. Yeah. Uh, thanks for asking. I was at Cape Cod last week. Went deep sea fishing. For Were the you first actually? Time Did you see yeah, Belichick? Yeah. What's that? Did you see Belichick? No, that's a spot. but the guy who took us out on the boat, the guys who boat who did the charter, um, apparently takes Steph Gilmore out for deep sea fishing charters too. It was fun. I'd never done it before, and I'm a moron when it comes to fishing, which is no surprise. And he was, he was cool. He was a a young guy. Joe goes his name. So if you're in Cape Cod and you want a charter, go see Joe. Go. Did you catch anything? Yeah, 27 inch striped bass, which I thought was huge until I saw the other pictures on Joe Go's Instagram page. Uh, pretty small, not impressive apparently. Do you throw it back, or do you keep it? You can keep two. I think it was 28 inches. I think 28 was a minimum, and, and we caught a bunch of fish. You can keep two. Um, I think you can keep as many as, as the people that are on the charter. So we caught two. We had three of us on the charter. And he, like, cut it up for us, and we ate it that night in fish tacos. So win, win, win. Ooh. All right, let's get to these mailback questions. Um, the first one from Jeff B6158 via Apple Podcasts. Hey, man, what happened to the Ravens? Hey, guys, love the show. I'm just sad that there was no all 32 podcasts on my team, the Ravens. Check to see if I missed it, but I'm not seeing it. Well, I'll tell you, Jeff, that until Lamar Jackson wins a playoff game, we're not doing a Ravens all 32. So you're just going to be waiting for a long time. Man, is that true, Wilson? I, do, I, I get nervous when Breach gets grumpy because the world <laughs> is okay when Breach is happy. When things turn south for Breach, uh, I don't know what's in store for the rest of us. Great news, Jeff. Uh, Breach is lying, number one. Number two, and Debo left this note. We'll talk about the Ravens. Oh, we'll talk with the Ravens guests later this week. There was a scheduling conflict earlier. We're not dumb enough to only skip the Ravens during all 32. Stay tuned. So stay tuned, Jeff. Uh, your dreams are about to come true. Imagine that. Greatest podcast ever. I can't pronounce this name. Uh, who, who, who said that came via Apple podcast. If each of the super friends were an alcoholic drink, what would they be? So I think first off, we have to start with Brinson because he's not here. Um, Anyone have any thoughts on what, what drink Brinson is? I would say he would just be literally any IPA. Just pick yeah. an IPA, and that's Brinson. Craft beer, and preferably an IPA. Well, that's like at 8 p.m. on Saturday, but peak Brinson is Everclear. I mean, <laughs> late night Brinson is Everclear. He's all grain alcohol. And I do know for a fact he does like his bourbon. Um, and he does like, I think, his Tito's and soda occasionally if he's trying to go for something lighter. But I, I, I'm still with Breach. I, I think it's I, that the amount that guy talks about beer. Plus, like, I remember the last time we were in Florida, not for the Super Bowl, but for the summit. Like, of course, when he picks the dinner spot, we're eating at a brewery. You know what I mean? Like, that's just always yeah. his place. All right. That's fair enough. All right, John, what drink are you? Uh, you know what? I, I thought about this a long time, longer than I should have. And I feel like you guys will say tequila and Diet Coke, <laughs> which is a drink I had never tried until this aforementioned Florida trip. We're sitting in the hotel lobby. The bartender, uh, I was like, just give me a whatever. And she's like, why don't you try a tequila and Diet Coke? And I was like, that's, we all looked at her like she was crazy. She brought it over. I tasted it. It was an absolutely delicious drink. And uh, so I'm either a tequila, Diet Coke, or a White Claw. What about the all those? Fruity, crazy drinks you were ordering in Miami. 
Oh, those are delicious. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, I was, I, I could I be thought about all this. I could be a blue Hawaiian. I mean, there's a lot of fun drinks. <laughs> is, I could, is that what the drink was called? The I blue could one? be a Mai Tai. I mean, what do you want here, Wilson? I could be any of that. <laughs> I think what we're getting at here is that Breach probably enjoys the fruity drinks more than anyone else on this podcast. Oh, easily. I mean, it's not even close. I would just say that my rule of thumb is if you're out drinking, the first drink can be expensive and delicious, and then you get less expensive and less delicious as you go. Because you won't taste it by the end of the night anyway. Sean, are you some bourbon? So here's my argument, and I feel like I'm going to say it. Uh, but wait, real it. quick. I'm sorry, Sean. I just want to interrupt you real quick. I would like to note that both Sean and Ryan took a picture of my drink in Miami because it was on fire. And they're like, oh, don't take a sip of it. Yeah, I need to take a picture of it. So here they are making fun of my drink when they took a picture of it. Preach. We were, we're taking a picture to make fun of you on Twitter. <laughs> uh, all right. Let me give my full explanation because I think you guys are going to push back. I would say my drink is an old-fashioned, and I know you're going to push back because I am not old um, like Ryan Wilson. I am the youngest person on this podcast. However, the, I think – Tell me the ingredients again in the old-fashioned. Uh, whiskey, I prefer bourbon as mine, but I've had a lot of rye in there. Um, Bitter. Bitters and like orange peel. Okay. Not and some, some put sugar in it. I don't like it with sugar, um, but some cheaper places add like right. a sugar. I won't push back on that. Go ahead. But I was just going to say I think the people who know me would say I act – like a very old 27 year old in the sense that like I still buy DVDs. I still buy Blu-rays. Um, I still go to the movie theater all the time. Um, I still buy records like that type of stuff. So that would be my drink, I think, but I'm open for pushback. If you guys think a different drink suits me, but it's, it's not what is your drink. It's what drink are you? That's why I'm saying, I think the old fashioned, I think I, I think I would do well if I was like, if I had been born and lived in like the fifties, <laughs> I, I, Sean, to be honest, I think you're a Zima. I don't know if that. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that's what you are. That's the original White Claw. Um, <laughs> my alcoholic drink uh, is probably what I would be is probably like a Bud Light Lime. Like I don't like drinking heavy beers. Bud Light Limes, I can drink twelve of those and still operate. Um, it's a pretty stupid drink. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty simple with. Do the, you drink wine? I feel like you, we all drink. You drink wine? I do don't drink you? wine. Like I love red wine, but I can't drink a lot of it because I'll be hungover. So, hmm. like if if I'm out with you guys, I'll drink like a you know a lager or something. And if they have Bud Light Lime, I'm going to town on that. Bud Light Lime is like like ideally Corona or even like Land Shark is like great summer drinks. But if I'm too lazy to cut up a lime and put it in the drink, yeah, it's good. Bud Light Lime is built in. Can't beat it. Yeah, I will good... say Brenton is like craft beer, and you. Very much like the basic brands. Yeah, because craft beer, you can drink one, and then you can't drink anymore because it's like <laughs> it makes it you too like full. Yeah, it's like you're drinking a milkshake. All right, so done with that. Next review, five star show from R. Wariznek. I think I got that right on Twitter via Apple Podcast. Hey, super friends, I heard they were starting a listener league and considered this my application. Application accepted. R. Wozniak. I've been listening to this podcast for almost a year when I discovered it. Uh, I discovered it when it was shared by uh, Fantasy Football Today podcast. I quickly fell in love with you guys, and now the first po- you're the first podcast to listen to in the morning. By the way, side note here. How weird is it that someone fell in love with us listening to us? I would feel like I would hate all of us even more if I had to listen to us every day, but credit, credit to R. Wozniak. All right, here's this question. What is the reason that everyone thinks Ridley – uh, Calvin Ridley, the Falcons will have a breakout season. Last year, all I heard on these podcasts was to draft him, 
and he was going to break out, and he didn't really last year. What makes this year any different? I'm sure we have examples of wide receivers who just never really panned out, and he's the clear number two on that offense who uh, who also signed Gurley. Love the show. Thanks. All right, Sean, we'll start with you. High expectations for Calvin Ridley, an offense that includes Julio Jones and uh, Todd Gurley? Yeah, I, I think the reason why a lot of people like Calvin Ridley, it, it, obviously it all depends where you're drafting him or if you're an auction draft, how much you're spending on him. But based off the two years of evidence that we have, he has a very high floor. And with the potential still to break out, he was obviously a first-round pick, uh, played at Alabama, so a highly talented prospect. And already in two seasons, nearly identical numbers across the two seasons, you know, roughly 850 yards and nine touchdowns per year. So if that's his floor, and we we know wide receiver is a position that is a little bit more cerebral uh, and does require a bit of an adjustment at times. So I think why you're drafting him is at your floor, he is a solid option. He's not a superstar. He's not Julio Jones, but not many players are. And if you buy the fact that he's going to keep improving um, as he gets acclimated to the NFL, then you're looking at this guy at worst is going to give me 850 yards, eight touchdowns per season. If he makes the leap, um, great. And if he doesn't, I still have a productive player on my hand. So I think it's about all about bouncing where you draft him. He's probably not in the first couple of rounds, but if you can get him as your wide receiver too, he has wide receiver one upside. And at worst, you've got a flex option. Yeah. And I will say that I had Calvin Ridley on my team last season and I won my fantasy title. Uh, if any of you guys are listening, you remember, I had Andy Dalton. You won the CBS one? No, I won uh, with my friends. My my high cash league is where I won the title. Calvin Ridley was on my team. I think one thing with Calvin Ridley, though, is remember that he was injured, and he missed the end of the season. He missed three games last year. And despite that, he still put up 866 yards, seven touchdowns over a 16-game season. That's over 1,000 yards, 1,065 yards, over eight touchdowns, 8.6 touchdowns. So when you look at it like that, those are solid numbers for a number two receiver. And as Sean said, it really depends on where you can get him when you draft. If you get him in a good spot, you know, Calvin Ridley could be an absolute steal for you. And also look at that offense. We don't know what Todd Gurley's going to do, even though Gurley's there right now. Maybe he can't withstand uh, getting a bunch of snaps and all of a sudden every, every Matt Ryan pass is going to Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley because uh, the Falcons' whole entire backfield every running back that's just a big giant question mark and really the only two proven commodities there right now are Hoyo Jones and Calvin Ridley so I would be pretty excited about getting Ridley uh, as long as he stays healthy um I suck at fantasy what do you think his ADP is Ryan his uh, average defensive position so it is (laughs) draft position yeah Defensive position. What does that mean? <laughs> well, all right. Here's the next question from Josh. Uh, rookie only fantasy league question. Greetings from the United Kingdom. Uh, that's, uh, Great Britain and Scotland. Breach, just so you know. Uh, you just, why are you hating on Wales? Is Ireland part of the United Kingdom? It must well, be. Well, right? you didn't even mention Wales. Oh, and Wales. Sorry. My God. You just lost every Wales listener. Because you were trying to pretend they weren't in the United Kingdom. The worst part is I thought you meant whales to swim in the ocean. I was like, what? Why, why did oh whales care? Oh, my God. And All right, here whales. we go. Debo, cut that part out. Greetings from the United <laughs> Kingdom. <laughs> a friend and I are doing a two-person fantasy league comprised of only 2020 rookies. I don't know if this is uh, something that a lot of people do, but I actually like the idea as I read the question. The draft will be an auction with $200 auction budget. Each week, the winner of the head-to-head matchup gets paid, and there's a payout for, for uh, most season-long points. My question is, what strategy 
would you take when it comes to quarterback? Break the bank for Burrow or let him uh, pay, let the other guy pay up and use the extra cash to stack running backs and wait for Tua to start? Uh, oh, and play the duck music because I'm sure Brinson has earned it but hasn't played it. Cheers, Josh. <laughs> All right, Sean, I'll start with you again. Um, draft will be an auction with a $200 auction budget. You going first for Burrow. You stacking it with uh, running backs, wide receivers, waiting for Tua. What are you doing? So conventionally, this is not a conventional fantasy league, but in a conventional fantasy league, I'm anti-spending big money on quarterbacks because there are so many productive ones that you can win with a Matthew Stafford. You can win with Matt Ryan. However, I think this just reflects, my strategy here would reflect the general draft attitude, which was it was stacked at wide receiver. We've talked about this for months. And so I think you can, you don't have to spend big money here on one of the first round receivers and you can stack a lot of the mid round receivers and still do pretty well fantasy-wise. And then you look at the quarterbacks. Joe Burrow is the only one who is definitely going to play um, m- the majority of the games in his rookie season. You have no idea what's going to happen with Tua, if he's even healthy, if it's Patrick plays well, if he can hang on to that job for a little bit. We have no idea how, how long it'll take till Justin Herbert gets in. Um, I would imagine if the things are going well with Tyrod, Justin Herbert's not going to be in there. And if I, I can imagine if things aren't going with Tyrod, aren't going well with Tyrod, even if Herbert gets in there, he might not play well in that offense. And Jordan Love, obviously, is probably going to be sitting by Aaron Rodgers. So I would break the bank on Joe Burrow because I just don't think there is another viable starting option at quarterback. And if you break the bank on Joe Burrow, I just mentioned all these receivers that you can get in the middle rounds who aren't going to cost a fortune who are still probably going to get a lot of targets. So, I yes, I would break the bank on Joe Burrow. Sean, you're pro Bengals. That's all I wanted to hear. I would do the same thing. Uh, it's not just receivers, running backs too. There's a lot of guys in there who could be big. Obviously, Clyde Edwards Slayer is going to cost a lot of money, I'm guessing, in that rookie league. So he's probably not a guy you'll be able to get if you break the bank for Burrow. But remember, you have J.K. Dobbins. He could put up some big numbers in the Ravens offense. Cam Akers in the Rams offense now that Todd Gurley's out. Jonathan Taylor. So I think there's a lot of mid-level running backs you could also win. So boom, just throw all your money down and get Joe Burrow. The only thing I will say is that, that the the few times we hear sort of status reports, updates on Tua, it seems like everything is going better than anyone imagined. So maybe there's a chance he, he plays sooner rather than later, but I think Joe Burrow makes the most sense. Number one, he's healthy. Number two, we know he's going to play. Number three, he has weapons to throw the ball to. So I, I don't disagree with you guys just strictly on a um, performance basis uh, on what we expect to happen. By the way, United Kingdom is made up of England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Not Ireland. You were wrong about that, John. I made what? What? I said what? You're crazy. So, uh, yeah. All right. Next question from Quebec. Coach's corner is the subject. Hey guys, love the podcast. I listen to it every day. Walking my dog Charlie. Shout out to Charlie. Want to know what you think about this? Can we judge the value of a coach by his record in one game scores or one score games? Excuse me. Actually, I think that's a good way to do it. If so, uh, we all say that Bill Belichick is the best coach ever. Where does he stand in one-score games versus the all-time great coaches like Bill Walsh, Bill Parcells, Don Shula, Chuck Knoll, or even Vince Lombardi? Keep it up, guys. You are doing great. Thank you, Quebec Canuck. So Stats Inc. Um, did the heavy lifting for us. Debo got this stuff together. So Bill Belichick in one-score games over the course of his career is 97-69, and 69, which is a 584 winning percentage. That is actually third. Are you guys looking at the list? You probably are, aren't you? I've got don't look open. at it. Are you? I don't want you to look at it. I want you to guess. I, sorry, I have the rundown open and I'm prepared. It's too late. Right. Well, I have breach guess. 
Are you looking at a breach, or you don't have to run it open? Of course, I looked at it. I mean, oh, okay. I, I I don't have it open because I never have it open, but I did look at the list. Wouldn't okay, go so, into this uh, without looking at the list. We should call Brinson on the phone and get him to guess who it is. <laughs> Number one, Don Shula, one twenty one seventy three and six. That's a sixty two winning percentage. Followed by Vince Lombardi, not far behind, twenty nine seventeen and six. 615 winning percentage. I mentioned Belichick third, then Bill Parcells, Belichick's mentor. He's at a 546 winning percentage. Chuck Knoll, just over 50%, 508. And then Bill Walsh is the bottom of this list at number six, 447 winning percentage. And, and Debo notes via Stats Inc., John Madden had the best record all time among the 94 coaches that were involved in at least 50 such games. He was 40, 14, and 7. Fun fact, Sean, John Madden was uh, Jim Breach's first coach in Oakland. That is a fun fact. I feel like we, we got to bring back the fun facts. It's been lacking for a while. Yeah, I actually used a fun fact when I was talking to Steph Stradley about the uh, the Texans the other day, last week, because, um, you know, some people wear those, instead of face masks out in public, they wear those um, sort of neck things you can pull up over your face, like you look like a bank robber or something. Like you a bandana. Thing? Not um, in a band, like you wear them like when you ski sometimes, or you can wear them when you're like hunting. I think hunters wear them. It's like a little tight-fitting thing across your face. You pull it from your neck. I feel like I need to chime in with my fun fact. And my fun fact is that Ryan's fun fact is actually incorrect. Oh! <laughs> oh, who, what's the answer? Yes! Uh, Madden, Dun, Dun, play Madden's, the music! Madden's last season was 1978. My dad's first year with the Raiders was 1979. And the coach that year was Tom Flores. I remember your dad talking about John Madden. Maybe your dad was just telling you that to make me impressed. I was impressed. Oh, I mean, he was, <laughs> it was the interchange years. Madden was on his way out and forth, and Madden retired. It's not like he got fired, so he probably still had his uh, fingers on the program, but he was yeah, not. he was around. He was around. He just wasn't the coach. That's all. That's all. That's all I'm by the way, if I'm, if I'm off on something by two or three months, that counts as being right in my book. And, you know, I really thought this list was interesting because, like, you know, I don't think we had any idea. I think the most fascinating one here was Bill Walsh, that he had the worst record uh, in one-score games out of these coaches. But I will say it is hard to gauge, I think, teams or coaches on one-score games because a lot of the NFL is just dumb luck when you're talking about a one-score game. It can be the bounce of a football on a fumble, a quarterback getting hit, his arm getting hit, and an interception going for a pick six. Uh, you know, it's not Bruce Arians' fault that Jameis Winston threw a pick six in the final game of the season against the Falcons in overtime. And so I will throw out, you look at in 2018, the Dolphins went seven and one in one score games. Do we think that the Dolphins, uh, are an amazing team? Do we think that Adam Gase during his final year in Miami was one of the top coaches? Uh, the Chargers went six and one in one score games in 2018. The Cowboys went nine and three in one score games. So, uh, you know, like it, it is very interesting to look at, but I'm not sure how much stock I would put in winning one score well, games. In one season, I agree, but over the course of a career, I mean, all these coaches are Hall of Fame coaches, I believe. Yeah, they're all Hall of Fame coaches, including John Madden, uh, who apparently wasn't uh, Jim Breach's first coach. I just found out. <laughs> uh, I would like to see like the bottom of this list. Like what? What team? What coaches were worst? Uh, Zach Taylor is zero and eight in his career on one score games. <laughs> <laughs> and I, my my follow up was going to be: I bet they don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like I want to see that list at the bottom. The t- the coaches who had Hall of Fame quarterbacks and still found ways to lose close games. I would imagine there's some correlation there. I think but, that, uh, like Adam Gase is a good example of this, where it's like if all you do is win one score games, I don't think that's a sign you're a great coach. Because I think all these coaches, yes. All these are Hall of Famers, and they have 
very good records and one score games, but they're also, they're blowing out teams. And that's usually a sign of a better coach is if he can blow out bad teams. Um, the other thing I'd be curious to know, I don't think there's any way we could figure this out, but I wonder how many of these records by these great coaches are boosted from the fact that like they were up 14 against a, a bad team and that team scored a touchdown late in garbage time. And then that becomes a close game that they technically won where really they were in cruise control up until the final minutes. Cause I feel like that happens a decent amount. I feel like and, anecdotally that didn't happen a lot with Bill Belichick because he likes to blow the doors off teams. I mean, we saw what happened when Jared Stenham came in through a pick six and they brought Tom Brady right back out there in a the game. They were absolutely demolishing the jets. But I mean, that's a fair question for the other guys. I have no idea. And I will say, since we're talking about Adam Gase real quick, during his three seasons with the Dolphins, he went 20 and six in yep. one score games. And obviously we do not count that because he had to coach at least 50 games for this account. That is a winning percentage of 769, which blows <laughs> out any other coach on this list. And again, I don't think any of us think Adam Gase is, you know, the best coach in the NFL. Yeah. Well, on that shot. note, heading into his tenure in New York, Adam Gase was more likely I believe they get blown out by like double digits than to win a game because all of his wins <laughs> come by one score and usually he peaks at around seven or nine wins. Yeah. And if you include, uh, his record with the Jets, he is 25 and eight in one score games. So then that is the winning percentage of 757. So in four seasons, the guy is 25 and eight. He is 17 one score games away from being at the top of this list, which blows my mind. So, uh, but yeah, I think this is fascinating. Very fascinating list. Sean touched on it just a second ago with his answer. And I remember the football outsiders wrote about this probably 10 years ago now called stomp, stomping guts. And basically good teams blow the doors off bad teams. They're, they're not winning one score games. And, um, that was something I was interested in when, the Steelers kept losing all these, all these crappy teams when they should have been beating them. But um, I think that certainly fits Adam Gase because there's no reason for that guy to be winning 80% of one-score games and he can't win the other games he's, quote-unquote, supposed to win based on Vegas or whatever. So, hey, great question. Glad we were able to give you an answer. All right, let's take a quick break. Be right back for some more questions. All right, Freddie Brinson is the subject for this one. I can only wait to find out what this is about. From Bryson Mitchell 2, the Apple Podcast. Thank you for the question, Bryson. Here we go. If there was going to be an expansion team to the NFL, how do you think they would do it? Would they add two teams to keep even numbers? Would they consider Canada? Also, if you listen to the podcast he did before the 2019 season on the Dave Damashek show at exactly 19 minutes, and he says, quote, I love Freddie Kitchens, end quote, and then continues to rave about him. I'm assuming that's Freddie Brinson that made that comment, even though we know that Sean picked Freddie Kitchens as coach of the year. So I, I think Bryson's onto something that you can find Brinson being on both sides of literally every argument if you look hard enough. And the reason he's tweeted 4,000, 400,000 times is that he wants to bury all that nonsense from, from the past. So great detective work, Bryson. Uh, we will bring this up to Brinson when he returns. Breach, this feels like a question in your wheelhouse. You seem to be, uh, you love this type of stuff. If they're going to expand, how are they going to do it? Well, real quick, I do want to say that I love that Brinson's on vacation because now that gives Debo a second. Maybe he can go back, cut the clip from this, so that next time we have the Super Friends together, uh, we have Brinson saying, I love Freddie Kitchens. And then, luckily for Sean, Brinson won't be able to slam that yeah. in his face because that's Brinson's favorite thing to do. That's his favorite Sean comeback is, it's the year, so annoying. Coach of the year. Coach of the year. So annoying because I knew he was high on Freddie Kitchens because I we did podcasts with it all off season. <laughs> 
And then he tries to act like he was down on the Browns the entire time. He was riding that bandwagon for a long time, and he loved – I'm telling you, I was not the only one who liked it when they promoted Kitchens. Brinson was team uh, Freddie Outhouse from the beginning as well. Uh, so, but as for the expansion part of the question, here's what I would say to that. I think two teams would make the most sense because you do want to keep an even number – but I think we're in a situation where one team would actually work because if you look at what just happened, we're about to expand the regular season to 17 games, uh, which can happen as early as 2021. And the Players Association, the players have basically been saying, hey, look, we're open to more expansion if we get two bye weeks. So if you add one team, you now have 33 teams. And with 33 teams, you'd have to have at least one team on a bye each week. So now you have uh, the one team bye. And then each team would get a second buy with that group buy that you get with a bunch of teams. Uh, and then maybe you could expand the game to, or expand the regular season to 18 games. Uh, so I could see the NFL thinking about 33 teams if they ever did expansion. I don't think that's even on the table right now. And I think if they did do expansion, I think it would be, uh, international. I think they've had their eye on London for so long and that is going to be the eventual end game is a team in London. Uh, you know, obviously no one wants, no city wants to lose their team to the United Kingdom, right, Wilson? Wales included, and uh, Northern Ireland included. And But I do think if it happens, it will be London if it ever happens. Yeah, Shad Khan owns Fulham Football Club, so he has yeah. some interest over there. I think the Buccaneers, the Glazers own Arsenal. Is that right, Sean? No, they own United. Kroenke owns United. Arsenal. Who owns Arsenal? Kroenke. Kroenke, okay, got it. All right, so there's and, plenty and- of... And Khan tried to buy Wembley Stadium like a year or two ago. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that does make sense. And, I mean, we talk about it all the time. I think Prisco, last we heard, said it's not going to happen, but I could be wrong. The Jaguars aren't, aren't necessarily going to relocate to London, but it doesn't mean that another team may not be um, headed that way if they expand. From 7775426. I don't know him. I know 7775425. He's a decent dude, but we'll see how this guy is. Great show. Super funny with good analysis. What's the deal with Sam Darnold? 90% of what I hear is people still believe in him, and he's had flashes, but also hasn't had much success. Obviously, he's held back by coach and team, but I'm curious to hear how people feel about him and his timeline with Josh Allen being hyped as the next QB of the AFC East. I will just say this. The Jets' offensive line sucked donkey doo-doo last year. And I think that was a huge part of his success, uh, the lack of success. I mean, he showed flashes and all that. We say that all the time about these young guys. But I think the offensive line being terrible was a huge problem. And the fact that they addressed the offensive line. You know, we talked about free agency. They sort of addressed. They got some backups. But they drafted Makai Becton with that 11th pick, I think. And, and I think that's incredibly important. They also got Denzel Mims um, on day two, which was great in terms of having a, a wide receiver. So this feels like it. This is the time that Sam Darnold has to put it together. Obviously, Sean will take some shots at Adam Gase, but I feel like um, I don't think it should be a situation where Sam Darnold isn't having more success than Josh Allen, but I think right now Josh Allen is expected to be more productive in 2020. Sean, what do you think? So I was actually on radio in Atlanta. They were asking me about my quarterback list, and for off topic we got into, he asked me Josh Allen for the next five years or Sam Darnold. Everyone on this podcast knows how I feel about Josh Allen. I'm not even necessarily that high on Sam Darnold, and I wasn't that high on him coming out of college. I think I would still rather have Sam Darnold, and I think that is definitely going against uh, what most people on a national perspective would probably take. And I don't think Sam Darnold's been that good. 
I do think, as Ryan just said, he has been placed in some really terrible circumstances. Not to mention, look, if, if he had had last, last year didn't have the mono stuff, there would be less of an excuse, but to have a season thrown into whack right at the beginning in that way, I thought worked against him. Um, and if that offensive line is better, he should be better. It, the one thing I'll note too is that his numbers from year one to year two are remarkably similar in terms of exact same yards per attempt at 6.9, almost the exact same touchdown percentage and interception rate. So um, he's been very mediocre, I would say, the first two years. And the thing that I don't like about him is that he seems to have the really dumb Jameis-esque, not on that level, not that prolific, but that type of mistake in him in every single game. There's always one of the two of those throws where you're scratching your head, and I think that's what he has to eliminate. Yeah, and you know what, though? The other thing, though, is that, like, is he being held back by coaching? Because our guy mentioned Adam Gase, not even by name. 775426, couldn't even mention Gase's name. And the thing is, (laughs) You look at what Adam Gase has done as a head coach, and it's just – not even a head coach. Just as, as an offensive guru, uh, you take out those Peyton Manning years, and there really has not been a lot to hang his hat on. So I, I just don't know that there's a high upside for playing in this offense. So I I'm, I don't know that there's much to get hyped about. I'm sorry, seven 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 five four two six. All right. Well, another – Lukewarm response from, from Breach, which, again, is very troubling. All right, one more. We'll do one more, and we'll get out of here. <laughs> from Steel Curtain, 326, my favorite podcast. Hey, guys, my name is TJ, and I'm from Northern Illinois. Michael Turner went to Northern Illinois, if I recall correctly. Throwback. Michael yeah, Turner, just started... the guy in the top 100 for Prisco. Yeah, Michael Turner, top 100. Michael Burner Turner. <laughs> I've just started a podcast called NFL Talk with TJ, and I was wondering how you guys were able to get your podcast noticed when you first started it up. This feels like a question for, for Debo. He's the behind the scenes making things happen guy. Debo, do you have any, any suggestions for TJ about how to get your podcast out there? I mean, first, make the content good. You guys did that. Be consistent. If you pick a, a scheduling time, release it every Monday or release it like we do on a daily basis and stick to it. I think people that listen to podcasts have podcast habits, have listening habits. So that's super important. Cover something super specific. Pick your niche because podcasting is all about niches. I could go on and on, but I'll ask you guys and and TJ, feel free to DM us at pick six pod and I can give you more tips. But when did you guys kind of realize that other people were actually listening to the pod and you weren't just speaking into microphones? Typically when um, you say something and people get angry and you hear about it on Twitter, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's where it starts. But also, like, when we read the Apple Podcast reviews, there are a lot of, you know, people appreciative of, for what we do. Also, one thing, Debo, and I want to ask you this real quick. You didn't mention it, but in terms of length, I think some people might say we go on too long, and I would understand that. TJ, like, what's the time he should shoot for? I'm going to tell TJ 30 minutes to start. I would not tell Will Brinson that because I know he's incapable of it. I hope you guys have been enjoying these all 32 podcasts. We've been keeping them to a tight 20 minutes. And it's been much easier with you guys as guest hosts this week rather than than Brinson in previous weeks. Um, but I think 30 minutes is a good place to start. I, I would just say talk about the content you want to talk about for as long as it deserves to be talked about. Don't try to stretch it. Tangents are okay. People like you to have a human side on podcasts. But also stick to your topic to some sense. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, great advice. Uh, and I will great- say – 
Well, yeah, I'll just say real quick that we don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know if this kid goes to Northern Illinois because he just says he's from Northern Illinois. But if you're starting a podcast, you want to get as broad as an audience as possible, or, or you want people to be listening right away. And so maybe something to do uh, is to have the first few talking about NFL players who went to Northern Illinois. And surprisingly, there are guys besides Michael Turner, like Kenny Galladay, uh, Tommy Lee Lewis, who was on the receiving end of the non-pass interference call in the Saints-Rams game. Uh, that, I think that guy would be an interesting conversation. Uh, Jimmy Ward of the 49ers went to Northern Illinois. So there's a lot of NFL guys there that I think people in Northern Illinois would be interested in listening to and just see how they went from Northern Illinois to the NFL. And now I'm going to kick it to Sean because, look, that guy started a movie newsletter from scratch. So maybe he can uh, tell TJ how to start a podcast from scratch. I mean, I think what Diva said in terms of, like, consistency of, like, when you're putting it out. Like, I... Since I started, I fiddled with the time at first, but now every Monday it comes out at 7 a.m. Eastern, and I never deviate from that. I think that probably helps just so if you actually do get people, a couple people who like your product, which I have one or two people who like my product, and that's it, at least they know when when to look for it. So that's what I would say. It's just consistency um, in when you're putting it out. Be, be, by the way, be, as well, don't expect – hundreds of thousands of downloads in the in the first week, the first month, even the first year. I think if you stay consistent, you're patient, you put out a good product, the listeners will eventually come. Make sure you're available everywhere. We're available on all podcast apps. There's a ton of them out there. The podcast industry is growing. So a collection of those tips, just staying with those habits uh, will lead you to a good place, DJ. Yeah, I like it. By the way, Sean realized he was internet famous from his association with the Pick 6 podcast for the first time, Breach, when he was recognized at the gym, walking around with their shirt on, flexing in the mirror, some guy came up to him and got to take a selfie or took a picture together? He was listening to us on the podcast when he saw me at the gym, which is cool. I would answer this question. Lots of beer. Uh, yeah, buy a 24-pack of beer, have people send you free beer, right. drink beer while you're podcasting, and then shower in beer at the end to celebrate every podcast you finish. In, Use in the all, podcast to to find ways to get free stuff. That would be Brinson's advice. <laughs> in all seriousness, I do think you know Diva was just talking about how Brinson does not keep it tight and likes to go off on his tangents. But I do think that Brinson's advice would probably be like let your personality shine through and and because chances are you will find listeners who have that similar type of thoughts and that similar viewpoints. Like Brinson loves his beer and he loves North Carolina and. What else does Brinson love? Quentin Tarantino and like whatever it is, and he lets he lets that bleed in to the conversation, and I think it helps. I think for us people, it helped when people started to feel like they were like we were like that group, and like they felt like they were hanging out with us as we like talk about things other than football. And I think that can help too if you let your person. Oh, and you forgot the biggest thing that Roll Brinson loves: Freddie Kitchens. You didn't. I like how I like I was, <laughs> I was trying to name things Brinson liked, and I ran out after beer. After beer. Oh, he likes uh. Fish, there you go. What a, what a great way to tie the whole podcast together today. Brinson starts off with Brinson loving Freddie Kitchens, ends with Brinson loving Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, we got to get that Brinson Freddie Kitchens thing. I, I said he liked things Brinson loved. I said beer, and then I said North Carolina because I had nothing else to say. <laughs> All right, anything else? We miss Brinson. Who will? Is he coming Brinson. back this week? I don't even know when he's coming back. This week, according to uh, the rundown. So Debo's expecting him back this week. We'll see. If Brent has spent another weekend, whatever island he's on, I don't think anyone would be surprised. But uh, hopefully, next time we're together, we'll be, we'll be with Wilbur. So in the meantime, Sean, uh, have fun at the park. 
Breach, have fun at the pool. And you know what? I would just be... Well, I, I'm going to point out that this podcast, uh, we did a great job considering we're in three different time zones. Thank Ooh. you. Great point. <laughs> All right. We'll talk soon.